insight into what's coming. We worship here every Sunday morning, weather permitting. Uh, at 10 o'clock, we have Sunday school small group classes at 9 o'clock every Sunday. And I want you to have an idea because you're here on Easter Sunday and you're going to get an Easter service and it's going to be a great time and we're trusting God for a good day today. But I want you to have a little insight on what God's been preparing in our hearts as we move forward. We're going to begin a new series next Sunday morning called Why? And we're just going to ask a few questions. How many of you this morning have ever asked the question, Why, God? Why? Yeah, many of us have. And if, if you weren't bold enough to raise your hand, you probably have as well. And we're going to answer some tough questions that Scripture answers for us when we talk about why. So next week, we're going to answer one of these questions. The first one is, why don't I always feel God? Why don't I always feel God? There's sometimes we go through life and we wonder, is He really there? So we're going to answer, we're going to try to answer that question. The next week after that, why didn't God answer my prayers? Sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray, and it feels like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling, and we wonder, why didn't God answer my prayer? We're going to tackle that question as well. Then the famous question, or infamous, however you want to look at it, why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever wondered that? We're going to try to tackle that question as well. And then finally, this one is this one's great. If you can get through all four of these messages with us, this would be great because the last one is really what we want to get to. And it's, why would God use me? Why would God use me? You see, there's times even in my own life as a pastor where I've asked that question. God, why would you even use me? I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm just a, an ordinary guy. Why would you use me? We're going to answer that question and why God wants to use you in his work. So I hope you come back. If you don't have a place to worship, we would love for you to make this your home church, and we would love to get to know you better and connect and engage with you. But this morning, we want to talk about the real reason for Easter, the real reason for Easter. In Matthew 27, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 35. You follow along with me as we read from God's Word this morning. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers that taught the law and the elders, they mocked him as well. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from that cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And in the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Would you join me in prayer this morning? God, we just uh, give you praise and thanks today because we are here to worship you. We're not here to worship our desires and our preferences. We are here to worship you. And we are so glad that today on Easter Sunday, we worship a risen Savior. And God, I can't wait to experience new life with you in eternity once again because of that reality. God, I pray that today would be a day that we can look to your word and you can teach us the real reason for Easter today. May you hide me, your servant, behind your cross 
And may your word speak life into our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to ask you a question as we get going this morning. Do you have something or someone that you have complete trust in? That you trust completely with everything in your life? You know, there's certain people in my life that I know when I need something, when I know that I'm going through a tough time or a dark spot, that I can trust them no matter what. And I didn't ask for permission on this, so I apologize. But one of those persons in my life is my wife. I'm so thankful for my wife. Pastor Alicia is here on staff with us. And I'm so thankful that she's not only a partner in ministry, but she's a partner in life for me. That when I'm struggling, when I'm going through things in life, that I know that no matter what, no matter all my flaws, no matter the times that I get mad and I lose my temper, no matter how, how things go in my life, I know that I can trust Alicia with everything, completely trust her. So much so that even in the last 10 days, I have been faced with attack after attack that I don't know where it was coming from. One such attack was so random and so crazy that I'm thankful that she was sitting across the table with me at lunch. I got a text message that was so random. I didn't know the number. I didn't know how they got my number, but it was a very inappropriate message. And I looked at the message and I said, whoa. And I slid my phone to Alicia and I said, I just want you to see this. Because I did not solicit this. I don't know where this is coming from. And I'm sorry that it did come, but I don't know where it's coming from. And my wife took that message and she looked at it and she just kind of laughed. <laughs> she put it away. She goes, yeah, that's weird. That's, that's odd. It was, it was highly inappropriate. And I thought, you know what? I'm so glad that my wife was there because I can trust her with those things. I have complete trust. I don't have to keep it from her. I don't have to try to hide it from her. But I can trust that she's going to see that and she's going to have my best interest in, in mind. She wants me to succeed as well. I can trust my wife completely. You see, these, these mockers that we just read about in this story, you see, they, they were insulting Jesus. They were attacking Him. And in verse 43, we read the first insult that they attacked Him with. Now, we may read it, and you may have heard it this morning, and you may not have looked at it as an insult, but it really is. I want, to, I want us to read it again, verse 43. This is what they said. They said, he trusts in God. He trusts in God. You see, this was a sarcastic type of message. They knew why he was on trial. They knew why he was on the cross. They had put him there. And they're mocking him. They're saying, he trusts in this God that he's been talking about all this time. Why can't this God that he's been talking about save him? He has complete trust in him. Where is he now? He trusts in God. <laughs> See, this word trust in the original language, it's spelled P-E-I-T-H-O. Pytho is how it's pronounced. And this is what it means, to convince, to rely on with inward certainty, to have full confidence or complete trust. An inward certainty. You trust something so much that just your gut is telling you it's going to be okay. Your gut is telling you that the certainty that comes from trusting in this person, that it's going to be okay. You see, trust is a very big thing to believe in. I, I like to define our faith, as we talk about faith in church a lot. Faith is, is believing in something you cannot see. That's kind of a, a layman's term for faith. But I go a step further and I say, you know what? Faith is more than just believing in something. 
It's putting our trust in something. We can believe in something with our head. We can see it. We can believe it. But to really trust it, to really put our life into it, we have to actually put action to our faith. So to put trust into something means that we're doing something, that we're putting our inward certainty into someone or something that we believe it's going to turn out okay. But then there's times that we have to ask the question, what happens when trust fails? What happens when trust fails? And the next question I have to ask you this morning is, have you ever felt completely alone? Have you ever felt completely alone? Let's pick up the story again in Matthew 27, verse 45. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? You see, never one time did Jesus complain when the, the men and the women that walked by were hurling insults at him. Never one time did Jesus, when they were doing their worst to him, never one time did he complain. Never one time did he cry out in, in anger towards them. Never one time. So why is it at this moment when the clouds go dark, when the sky is dark, and this is not just some small feat. This is noonday, three in the afternoon. This is when the sun's supposed to be the brightest. God has caused the light to be shut out. And Jesus, the only time in his life, cries out to God, God, why have you forsaken me? Why now? Why in this darkest hour have you forsaken me? You see, this was also very interesting, the language that Jesus used here on the cross. You can see it right there in red letters. Red letters means that Jesus said these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you study the New Testament and you study Jesus' life, Jesus all throughout his life here on earth, he never called God the Father my God. He always called him Abba. Abba, which means daddy, papa. It was an intimate relationship. It's as if your kids or grandkids, they'd come up to you and they'd say, daddy, 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 pick me up, hold me, hold me. Daddy, daddy, I want to be close to you. Papa, papa, can I come with you? Papa, I want to be just like you. See, those were the terms that Jesus used to describe his heavenly father, except for this one time. This is the only time in Jesus' life where he doesn't use the term Abba, Daddy, Papa. But he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? You see, this is perhaps one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. And unquestionably, it's one of the most confusing. Martin Luther uh, he, he described it centuries ago, and he asked the question, how can God forsake God? And because that's exactly what happened here. God the Father has forsaken God the Son. How can God forsake Himself? And here is the deep theological answer that I have studied and studied and studied this week over and over and over. Here's my answer for you. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know, because there's a mystery to our faith. Amen? There's, there's a reason that we are not given all of the answers when we think we need them. You see, in this dark hour, Jesus, God in the flesh, is feeling alone, completely and totally alone. In our dark hours, maybe you've uttered these words yourself. God, why? Why are you turning your back on me? Why at this moment in time did you turn from me? Why have you forsaken me? Why did you allow this to happen? I don't know about you, but maybe you've been through a dark moment when the baby's heartbeat has stopped beating. There's no more life. And you sit there and shake a fist and say, God, I don't understand why. Maybe you've been there when you've experienced the loss of a mother or a father or spouse, brother or sister. And in that dark moment when they've been taken too soon and you're sitting there and you're saying, God, why? Why now? Why have you forsaken me? Maybe you've been through that dark place when your spouse files for divorce. This wasn't what you intended, God. This isn't how you planned it. Why, God, why in this dark time? Maybe you've even experienced the darkness of having somebody you love abuse you, treat you wrongly. It's just not right. They, they loved me. How could they do this to me? God, why did you allow this to happen? Why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus in this moment is asking that same question. God, why have you forsaken me? Paul the Apostle writes in the book of 1 Corinthians, verse, chapter 13, verse 12, he says these words, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, he writes, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when you don't understand the whole story yet, we must remember some key things from Jesus' life. When you don't understand the whole picture, when we're just in that dark moment and we just don't quite get it, we must remember three things very quickly. God is good. Say that with me. God is good. God is good. That is so true. God transcends all of our circumstances. God is bigger than our situations. God is good. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is the only one that is good. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus' words, he says, No one is good except God alone. Wow. You see, sometimes we project our present situation onto God. When we're going through the dark moment, when things don't go our way, God, this is your fault. You allowed this to happen. And we project our situation onto Him. God is not our situation. God is good. Amen? God is good. No one is good except God alone. That's the truth of God's Word. 
When we don't understand things, when we don't see the whole picture yet, we must remember God is good. The second thing we have to remember is that God is for me. Say that with me. God is for me. See, Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter Romans chapter 8. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He, did, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God is for us. When God is on the scene, when He is in charge, when His plan is about to unfold, we must realize that He has your best interest and my best interest in mind. God is for you today. You need to hear that today. When you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through, when you want to shake your fist at God and say, why God? God wants to look down and say, because I have something better for you. Because I have something for you. I am for you God is for you. We must remember that God is good and God is for us. And third, third point here that we must remember is that God is with me. Say that with me. God is with me. The writer of the Hebrews letter said it in chapter 13. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us that God is with us. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on whose understanding? Our understanding. But in all our ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. These, I, I put the caps in there, okay? You're not seeing that in your Bible. But I want you to notice something there. He will. That's certainty. That's something we can put our trust in. That's something we can put our hope in. When God says it, it will come true. He will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That word acknowledge, we understand that word in the English language and what it means. In the original language, that term is yada. And it simply means to know. To know. You see, because of what Jesus went through on the cross... It paved the way for us, for you and for me, to know God. It paved the way for you and I to not just acknowledge that there is a God, not just to think, yeah, there is something out there, way out there that I don't even understand, but because of what Jesus went through, we can acknowledge, we can yada, we can know God personally. Wow, that's good news. That is good news today. It causes us to ask a question this morning, though. Why did Jesus have to be forsaken? Why did Jesus have to be forsaken? I believe it's this very simple reason. Jesus had to be forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. Jesus had to have God turn His back on Him so that you and I, so that we could be forgiven. You see, the more that I know God, the better that I know God, the less that I ask why, God. The more that I'm in relationship with God, the, the less that I'm going to say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you putting me through this? You see, the more that I acknowledge Him, the more that I know God, the more the question changes from why, and it goes to what. God, what do you want to do in this situation? How do you want to use me in this situation? What can I learn from this dark place that I'm in? You see, Jesus had to be forsaken 
so that you and I could be forgiven. And that's only part of the story. That's only part of the story. Jesus went to a cross and He took our sins, your sin and my sin, because He didn't have any sin. And He goes to a cross. He goes on on trial and they put Him on a cross and they crucify Him for things that you did and things that I did. He was innocent. He didn't do one thing wrong. And when He takes all of that sin upon Himself and He's hanging there on the cross, all of that sin is on Him. The Bible is very clear that if we have sin in our life, we are apart from God. He will have nothing to do with us. So why did God forsake Jesus on the cross? Why is Jesus yelling out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to. So that you and I have a chance. Jesus had to be forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. Today we're going to hear some great stories about how God is changing lives forever. And I want to invite our our baptism candidates to come forward. And uh, Pastor Alicia is going to come up here and and she's got something special for them. But we're going to hear their stories. And here's what what we do at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene. When when somebody wants to be baptized, come on up, Weston, come up here, right up here close. You're going to notice something about these four candidates today. They're all children. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And we're going to hear some stories because at at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene, one of the things that, that we believe in is that the more that we know God, the more that we that we get to know Him, the more He changes our lives that we got to tell others about what He's done in our heart. So we believe in baptism. And and these four candidates are going to be baptized. And uh, Chad, would you hand me that microphone here? And you're going to hear their testimonies. They're going to share their testimonies with you. And then we're going to go and we're going to celebrate baptism. And uh, I'm going to let them share their testimony. And then I'm going to give you your instructions because you have a part to play in this day as well. So, Weston, are you ready? All right. Before I knew Jesus, my life was easy, but I was not following him. When I, mean, when I met Jesus, I was amazed. I was wondering how he did all these amazing things. When I started following his teachings, life got harder. But I can still push on and find happiness because I know Jesus is with me. Ever since I've heard of being baptized, I have been waiting for this moment. This is my verse, Acts 2, 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, we have Jordan. For some reason, they wanted me to come up here and do this like I'm going to get through it any better than they are. But we sat down this week and the past couple of weeks as they've been talking about it just to see what's on their hearts and, and their minds and ask them why. And they're, you know, they don't have a miraculous story. They, they kind of grew up that, you know, being in a church. But the bottom line was that they love Jesus with all their heart. And he lives in their heart. And they want to know him better every day. And that's their testimony today. 
Thank you. Do you want to say anything? <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, uh, Brandy and I are uh, certainly proud of the young lady that, that Tinley is uh, growing up to be. Um, there were there were some things that uh, Brandy and I had been working on with Tinley and uh, praying about and trying to teach, and uh, it's like one. It's just all of a sudden it clicked uh, about the first of the year. Um, there was change in attitude and heart, and those were the things that uh, <laughs> that we were just working on. And at the time, it was uh, you know we didn't know you know it was. We were like, where is this coming from? And it was just from the prayer and, uh, uh, you know, and working with her. And it, I would say it was a turning point in her life. And it was just a, a big major change. And then a couple months later, she came to us and she, she asked to be baptized. And, you know, since then, we've been reading about it. We've been praying about it and trying to teach and make sure that we understood, you know, what is it all about? And it's amazing the, the things that they pick up on, you know, that they certainly understand and know a lot more than what we might give them credit for. Uh, so some of the things when we were asking her, you know, what does it mean? You know, why do you want to do this? So that, you know, that it's a good base and understanding for us. Some of the things that, that she came up with and said was, being a Christian means that you love God. That's what, what else could you want? Why do you want to be baptized? She wants to be baptized because your sins get washed away and you start over clean. What are you doing to become more uh, to become more like Christ? Um, she says that she's helping other people. She's being nice, which we can attest to. She watches the Bible at school. She reads the Bible before going to bed. She quizzes. She prays at lunchtime, at supper, at bedtime, and during the day. It says that she wants to be a Christian because God loves her and she healed and he heals her. Well, it is such a blessing and honor to get to be a part of these kids' lives. They are amazing and inspirational to me. Um, and I have a small gift for you. And what this is, is it has your name and today's date that you're getting baptized and a scripture for you. And it's something that you can put in your room or somewhere safe so that you can remember the commitment that you have made to the Lord and that you're making in front of your church today to remind you. Because like Weston said, we're going to have tough days where it's going to be hard to choose Jesus, but you have chosen Jesus. And so to keep him in our heart, we have to keep praying and remembering and reading our Bible and following those spiritual disciplines. But I'm so proud of all of you. In the name of the Lord, he is doing 
amazing things in all of your lives. And it's evident because I've seen it. And I'm just so proud of you and excited for the commitment that you're making today. Amen. Amen. They're going to go get ready to be baptized, and we're going to go out there in just a minute. Addie's going to come, and you're going to sing some songs while we're getting ready. Um, I want to just let you know, we believe in, in baptism. We believe that it's a, an outward sign of what God is doing in the inside. And all four of these candidates are showing fruit of their life with Christ, and they're showing you as a, as a congregation, as a church today, that they have chosen Jesus, and they're going to live for Him. And so you have a part to play in this, though, church. And the biggest part that you have to play is that today is a day of celebration, okay? The Bible says that when one lost sinner comes home, the angels in heaven rejoice and have a party. I don't know if you knew this, but it's okay for Christians to party harder than non-Christians, amen? Because eternity counts on it. So the, the angels in heaven are having a party this morning because we're celebrating victory, and I want us to be able to join in that party. So here's the deal. We're going to baptize each one of these children right over there. You're going to see it. And when they come out of the water, you have one job and one job only. You need to scream and cheer and be as loud as you can. Why? Because we are so thrilled that God has changed another life for Him and His glory. Amen? Can you do that? I don't believe you. Let's try it, okay? Woo! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please, uh, please enjoy this and sing together, and we'll, we'll meet you here in just a moment. upon his hands bearing all 
the guilt of sinful man. God eternal, humble to the grave. Jesus, Savior, risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore Him. Why don't you stand with us for this next one? From the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victim from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. And they called him Jesus, he came to love, and heal and forgive, and he bled and died, to buy my pardon. Is there to prove my Savior lives because he lives and I can face tomorrow because he lives and all fear is gone because I You may be seated. All right, Winston, have you accepted the Lord into your heart? Yes. And do you desire to live for Him the rest of your life? Yes. Yes. Awesome. And it's my privilege as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Could you please stand once again with us as we sing a Mercy Tree? Just 
You may be seated. Isn't God good? Aren't you glad you came to church? And that's just part one. Amen? The story's not over. The story's not over. <laughs> Jesus was forsaken on the cross so that we could be forgiven. But if that was it, lives would be changed. If that was it, people would get freedom. If that was it, we'd still have reason to, to have a good time and celebrate. But the good news is, that is not everything. <laughs> I want us to hear, as Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. 
Matthew 28, page 706 in your pew Bible. You'll see it on the screen this morning. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quick and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. You see, this man that they trusted, this man that they had lived life with for three and a half solid years, this man who they believed in, this man who they gave them hope for something better was now gone. He was a polarizing man. He was loved and he was hated. To be a follower of Jesus caused people to look at you differently. These, these four children that have just been baptized, they are now going to be looked at differently because of what Jesus has done in their life. I want to tell you something. It's, it's easy for us to be able to follow somebody when we, when we know that he's right there with us. It's easy for me to go into a hospital, especially Blessing Hospital, with one of their chaplains, Pastor Greg, because I have full confidence that he knows right where he's going. I have full confidence when I say, hey, there's so-and-so in this room, where do we go? And I, he just takes off. He knows, he knows the hospital like the back of his hand, and he goes, and I just follow him. And it's so, much, it's so much easier for me to be able to follow Pastor Greg when he's there with me. But now Jesus is gone. This man who has been walking with them, this man who was polarizing, is now gone. He is not with them. They, they can probably be going like they normally were. They look around and they're like, um, now what? Now what do we do? The man that we trusted, the man that we loved, now what? Mary and Mary were going to the tomb to grieve. They're going to the place where they last saw his body. I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but have you ever wondered when the loss and the grief will go away? Do you wonder what you're supposed to do next? I want to tell you a, a real quick personal story. When, uh, when my sister passed away, she was 30 years old. And it was a surprise. It was not, a, it was not expected. And, and we were shocked. And especially living in Missouri at the time, we got the call and we, we made arrangements to, to get back to Kansas to where she was living and uh, to get there. But I was a, a mess, as you can expect, that day. And we actually met Annie with our dogs and, and halfway, and she took our dogs, and we started to cross I-70 home. And I said to Alicia, you have to drive because I can't see. I, I have this. My eyes are raining, and I can't see. And I remember asking my – uh, we are going along, and I, I got one of those moments where I was just overcome with grief, and I started crying. And and Alicia said, what, what are you thinking about now? And I said, I don't know how to answer some questions. What do I say now? Do I, when somebody asks me, how many siblings do you have? What, how do I answer that question? That seriously came out of my mouth. 
She's not here. Do I not have a sister anymore? Do I only have a brother? What, how do I answer that question? I don't know how to answer that question. How long is this going to last? And I couldn't, I couldn't fathom what it was going to be like to try to answer that. I was selfish of me, I know. Because then immediately my thought went to her kids and her family. What are they going to do? Now what? Now what? The person we loved is gone. Now what? When it comes to Mary and Mary on this day, they were confused and they were scared. You see, the angel sees them coming and as they come up to the tomb, he knows that they're scared because the first thing he says to them is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but there's comfort in knowing when somebody knows how you're feeling. When somebody knows that you're scared, and they can come alongside you and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You see, this angel knew how they were feeling. But there's comfort in knowing that somebody's there with you. Do not be afraid because there's some great things I'm going about to tell you. The angel's sitting there and says, and I, he didn't, this isn't recorded in the Gospels, but I can just imagine the conversation because they're confused, they're scared. And the angel's sitting there probably excited because he knows what's going on. And he's probably got to be thinking in his head, you know what, remember that guy you were just with? Remember all the things that he taught you and all the miracles that he did? Remember all the good things that he did? Now what? Remember that he told you he was going to go and be on trial for something that he didn't even do? And do you remember that you didn't believe him? Do you remember this man who told you that they were going to crucify him, but you didn't believe him? Do you remember that this man that was with you all this time that you put your trust in, he was telling you all of these things and you didn't believe him? And now I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because when we're scared and confused, we need to remember a few things. And it's what the angel told the, told the two Marys. The first thing is this. When you're confused and scared, remember, he is not here. He is not here. We just read this account from Matthew's Gospel. We read the same words in Mark's and in Luke's Gospel. All of these are witnesses to the account that Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is no longer in the grave. We don't have to go to the tomb to visit Him. We don't have to go and take flowers on Memorial Day. We don't have to sit here and be in grief because Jesus is dead. He's not here. That's good news. <laughs> when we're confused and we're scared, we have to remember He is not here. The second thing is, He is risen from the dead. <laughs> you see, Jesus completed the task that He was given to do. He came to earth. He taught us all about eternal life and forgiveness of sins. He tried to warn us of what was coming. He, he really loved on people. He did miracles. He... He became the sacrifice for everyone's sin by dying on the cross. And then He defeated death and sin by being raised to new life. You see, Jesus had to do all of these things to prove He was who He said He was. So many times there's people that, that will make promises that are too big for them to keep. They, 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 they write checks that their life can't cash. Amen? We all know those types of people. Jesus was not one of those people. Jesus came on mission and He did what He came to do. 
and he was risen from the dead. And we see another conversation that he has in Mark's Gospel, chapter 20, and he tells us about Jesus appearing to Mary right there in the garden where he was buried. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because she turns around and she sees that it's Jesus. He says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. I am returning to my Father. There's that word in the original language, Abba. He's now referring him to Daddy again. I'm referring, returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. But where did he go? Where did he go? I think it's important that we know this because this is where, at least me personally, this is where I get a lot of victory in my life. Jesus was on a cross. He was crucified. He breathed his last. They laid him in a tomb. They covered it up with a stone so nobody could get in. And on the third day, he rose again. But what happened in those other days? Here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus had a mission to do. If he took all of the sin upon his shoulders, every single sin, your sin and my sin, even that sacred sin that nobody knows about in your life, he took that sin too. And he took it to a cross where he would become the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. And because he had to take all the sin, we know from what God's word tells us that where sin is, God is not present. That means from what my Bible says, where there is sin is, sin is in hell. If we are separated from God, we are in hell. I believe that Jesus had to conquer sin and hell for us to have true victory. And I believe what he was doing, and the reason he tells Mary, don't hang on to me, my body's not right, I haven't ascended yet. Why? Because he had to go and have the fight of his life for you and for me. Because he took all the sin. He had his father say, I can't see this. And he turned his face. And he says, why did you forsake me? Because he had your sin. And he had to go fight the enemy. He had to go kick him. He had to go beat him and beat him and beat him. Why? So you and I can have victory over the sin. He went down there. He says, Satan, you have no place over my people anymore. You have no right over them anymore. You have no place here. You have no place. You can't tempt them. You can't have victory over their sin. There's so many times we give the enemy too much power. He doesn't have the power. Jesus took it from him. He took the power from him. He defeated sin. And he said, no more, Satan. No more. Then why are we still going through this? Ugh. Because Satan is deceived. He thinks he's going to win. And if he can get you to believe that your sin isn't covered by the blood, he's got you. Jesus went down to say, you can't have them anymore. I paid the price. And He is risen from the dead. He's not here. When we're confused and scared, we must realize He's risen from the dead. And finally, the angel said to the Marys, He said, He did what He said He would do. Huh. Jesus had been telling them all along what was going to happen. He'd even told them a few days before. Now it was all said and done. Jesus has completely done what He came to do. It wasn't just all talk. He has completed His mission. And the rest of the story is this. We have confirmation of our faith. We have confirmation of God's plan. 
We have confirmation of God's love for each and every one of us. We celebrate Easter today not for part of the story. We celebrate Easter today for the entire story. Amen? He is risen from the dead. He is alive and well. And Luke 24 records it this way. After Mary had gone off to tell the disciples... Then we see a story of, of Peter and John running back to the tomb. They, didn't, they still didn't believe it. Can you believe that? They run back to the tomb. They run into the tomb. They still didn't believe it. They had to go see for themselves. They run into the tomb. And Luke's Gospel 24 verse 8 says this. They come out of the tomb, and I can just picture it in a cartoon version of my weird mind. Them just scratching their heads. And then the light bulb goes off. And Luke 24 verse 8 says, They remembered His words. He did what he said he would do. Wow. He did what he said he would do. I don't know about you, but I don't need anybody else to put my trust in than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's not there. He's alive. He is risen from the dead. And he does what he says he will do. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. I want us to close with this thought today. I don't know where you're at on your journey of, with Jesus today. Maybe your journey with Jesus hasn't started yet. But you're here. You're here. <laughs> Maybe you've been feeling lonely and forsaken lately. Maybe you're a little bit confused and scared. Maybe your circumstances are, are bigger than you had ever thought. Maybe your situation is just one of those things where you're like, man, there's just not, there's no hope. There's, I have no reason to have hope because you don't know, Pastor, what I've done. I don't know what you've done, but He does. And even though He knows what you've done, He would still go to the cross for you. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what your situation may be. But when we don't understand the full story, when our circumstances seem bigger than ourselves, we have to remember that God is good. He is for you. And He is with you. You can trust Him with your life today. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? So that we could have hope for eternity. It's confusing sometimes. As I sat here this week and prepared this message, I, I had a phone conversation with my dad, who's a pastor as well, and I said, Dad, how do I explain the resurrection to people? As, as Christians, we get it. We understand. We put our faith in something we can't see. But we can't, in our modern day, we don't see people come out of the grave. We don't see people kind of just come out. We, we bury them and they're there. And that's, that's where we leave them. We don't see them come out and rise from the dead. We don't have a tangible proof of this resurrection thing. It's weird. But God's Word says there's a mystery to our faith. And as I was praying this week, it was as if God just, He just imparted on me, BJ, you don't need to change the story. <laughs> It's a 2,000-year-old story, and it's still good today. All you got to do is declare it because it's true. Amen. Boy, you don't know the weight that took off my shoulders. You don't have to believe me today. You don't have to believe me. But God's Word says that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is risen from the dead, and He has done what He said He would do. Why? Because God loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you so that you wouldn't have to bear that punishment. Wow. 
I want you to do me a favor at this time. We're going to close in a word of prayer and a song of victory. But I just want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Close your eyes. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to shame anybody. That's not what we're in the business of doing. We're in the business of introducing you to our Savior, Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just just say, say a quiet prayer with me as I pray this short prayer. God, I just ask you right now in this, in this moment to just have your way. God, I ask for you to send your Holy Spirit once again into this place, to move around in and amongst us, to, to speak into our hearts and our life. And Lord, may, may you remove the distraction of our mind so that we can hear from you clearly. Today has been a day where, where you've heard both sides of the story. You've heard the complete story. And, and here's, here's what happens when, when you are given an opportunity to hear God's story about what Jesus did for you. You can have the same hope for eternity that many of us have as well. And maybe you're sitting there today and you haven't started your journey with Jesus and you were just coming to church to, because you were invited and you wanted to make somebody happy. Well, I'm glad you're here today. But now you know the story. Now you know what's been done for you. And maybe you're sitting there saying, you know what, what do I do now? What do I do now? Well, here's what you do. You trust Jesus with your life. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to pray for you today. If that's you and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, but today you heard the story and you want to accept Jesus, I want you to do something in just a minute. I'm going to have you raise your hand. Everybody's bowing their heads and closing their eyes. I'm looking around because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out by name, but I want to acknowledge you. So I want you to raise your hand and wait for me to acknowledge you. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you over here on the left. Thank you. I see you right here in the middle. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see you over here on the right. Praise God. Anybody else just want to to trust Jesus today with their life? Amen. I see you right over here. I see you right here in the middle. Thank you. I see you right here. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Victory. Victory. I want everybody to say this prayer with me in their hearts. God, I'm a sinner. God, I have done some bad things in my life, and I... I'm trusting you in this moment. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and help me to live for you the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sins. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. God, I, I know that you've heard those prayers. God, I know that you've seen every hand that was raised today. This is not something to mess around with. It's eternity in the balance. It's so much so that you sent your son to die on a cross. You turned your back on him so that we could be forgiven. But he was raised to new life to give us hope to spend eternity with you. God, I thank you for that truth today. May you be glorified today in our lives, in all that we think, say, and do. We will represent you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing a song of victory as we leave today. Susan, Susan, before we get started, I just, I, I feel like 
just like we did with the baptisms, Jesus paved the way for us to even have eternal life. And we just applauded and applauded and applauded the baptisms. We really need to thank the Lord for what he's done by just applauding him and praising him with all that's in us this morning before we sing victory to Jesus. Let's do that for Jesus this morning. Happy Easter, you are dismissed.